I apologize for the delay. Sorry for the jankiness. We had a whole system worked out with computer screen shares and everything. And due to being banned this last week by Periscope Twitter for quote copyrighted material where we never got an explanation, uh, our system through live stream, whatever, is now messed up. I promise you, we're going to find another solution for this. We, we're not going to keep having this. But for right now, we'll be a little janky today on my cell phone and go back and forth and get out there with the Pro Football Doc podcast, part one. And the title today is COVID, Making Sense Out of Nonsense. After we cover that, we'll talk about uh, a little bit about Monday Night Football. And then we're going to do our new, not new, it's been there before, segment called Upon Further Review or Second Opinions, etc. Uh, basically, it's a uh, where Colin was right, where Colin was wrong segment. We'll talk about where we were wrong and we may go over some of the good calls, but we'll mostly concentrate on where we were wrong to try and explain things. Um, and we'll as far as A.J. Green and questions, thank you very much. When we do part two, we're going to do the injury rundown, and we will cover A.J. Green and everybody else. All right? So anyways here, as we get started, COVID, making sense out of nonsense. First of all, yay, the Patriots are getting on a plane or on a plane and are going headed to uh, 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 Kansas City to see to play the Chiefs and they will be good to go and the game will go off. So what happened here? We'll come back to the Titans here. I mean, Cam Newton tested positive. One practice squad player on the uh, Chiefs, the quarterback tested positive. And what happened? Everyone got paranoid. So one thing I'll show you here is uh, that why is that? I mean, A.J. Terrell of the Falcons, their first-round draft pick, cornerback, the week before tested positive on Saturday. Nobody talked about shutting down games or postponing games or anything. What happened, I believe, is because of the Titan scare, and it was a serious scare, right? It was an outbreak, and we'll talk about the Titans. People were on edge, including the league, and then... You get a star player like Cam Newton on the Patriots, a quarterback, and then you, on the tails of that, have someone from Kansas City be positive. And the league went smartly, let's pull back in one, confirmed it was follow-up testing. So to me, that pause was good protection in case. Last thing you need is a disaster on the Patriots or the Chiefs. and. Monday makes way more sense than Tuesday for this reason. The Chiefs, if they were to play on Tuesday, would have three games in an unprecedented nine days. They play the following Sunday and then the following Thursday. You can't do that to them. As it is now playing tonight, Monday, it's still three games in 10 days. That's still a lot uh, for the Chiefs, something to bear in mind here. In any case, what are we looking at? So if you can contain someone who tested positive to be isolated positive, singular positives, that's what you want to do. 
And the way to do that is to be proactive and not reactive. You can't wait to your friend shoulders turn red at the beach and say, oh shoot, have I been in the sun too long? Do I need sunscreen now? It's probably too late. You've been exposed to the rays of the sun and you probably are gonna be as sunburned as your friend. Obviously different skin tone differences and etc. So you need to put on sunscreen before you see your friend's shoulders red, before you yourself turn red. You can't be chasing positive tests. That's my point. And when, let's say, Cam Newton tests positive, or any player, and you go back and look at contact tracing, the ideal situation is that a team finds nobody within six feet of anyone else for 15 minutes. That's the ideal. In medicine, you know, when HIV first started, we had surgery precautions. We treated, they're called universal precautions. You treat everyone like they had HIV. You treat everyone like they had hepatitis. That's the whole point of this all. You want to have nobody be a quote, close contact by CDC definition. That's why you have the contact tracers. Now the good news is the Patriots apparently have no one testing positive yet, which is awesome. We haven't gotten their definition of what a close contact is, but apparently it's been reported there are about 20 people with a close contact. Now, did they expand the rules to say they were just around him somewhat and let's keep an eye on these 20? Maybe. But if the strict rule was violated, these 20 people were all within six feet for 15 minutes over the last few days of Cam Newton. The league is asking for trouble if they don't stop that. You're gonna have another Titans-like outbreak. So hopefully it's all precaution. The Patriots are on their way to the game. And uh, this is uh, something that I retweeted here. Um, Sorry, normally we would computer back and forth flip. It's something I, I retweeted of the six buses headed to the airport earlier this morning, the Patriots. And apparently these six buses are just for the main plane. They don't include the 20 close contacts that are going on a different plane. Now, is that a big deal? Contacts that are going on a different plane. Now, why is that a big deal? Normally, when I was with the Chargers, regular season, we travel with four buses. So this is part of the travel contingent, and it's six buses. So they probably are using eight buses um, total. The idea is socially distanced, even in bus travel. Flights, they're using two planes. One plane for the 20 people that have close contacts, and one spread out plane huge plane, the Patriots' own plane, and the different hotel precautions. As we talked about, Sunday on the field is less dangerous for opponents contracting COVID than on the sideline, in the locker room, with your own team, on the bus, in the hotel, on the plane, etc. And thankfully that so far has been true, and we'll come back to that concept. So far, no Patriots, no Chiefs testing positive, that's the good news. And maybe the Patriots in the league got lucky if there really were 20 close contacts on the, on the Patriots. As far as the Titans are concerned, 
they've had six straight days of positive, with today, Monday, being the first day of no new positives. And as I've been tweeting and saying, it actually makes sense. If Sunday, when the Tennessee Titans played and on their travels home, and in the locker room afterward was the last time the team was together and Monday there were new positives. The incubation period is five to seven days literally from Sunday if you assume that timeline. You could say it was from Monday maybe but five to seven days it does not surprise me that there were six straight days of positives when there's an outbreak and guess what, on the seventh day, or you could call this the eighth day, depending on how you count it, on Monday, no positive tests. For the, it actually makes sense, because the Titans got shut down. Now, if there was a new exposure, or the Titans got together last week on Wednesday, you'd have to start the clock all over again. And maybe the, the Titans were just lucky there was negative, there was negative today. I fully expect tomorrow, Tuesday to be negative again for the Titans, fingers crossed. If so, and if you get another test back on Wednesday morning of negative, including point of care, the Titans midweek here may be able to finally open up and do something at the facility. May not be everything, but something. And I think that's the expected pattern. And if that happens, indeed, there will be a Buffalo Bills game. The Bills will play and the Titans will host them. And uh, Tom Palacero was on Sirius XM this morning with my guy, uh, Bruce Murray. And he had said something interesting. He's been all over this COVID issue this week. I've retweeted him a bunch. Tom's a great guy, talked with him. He's in the know, he's as good as you get. But he said something interesting that I would maybe not fully agree with in terms of, not what he said, but how the league is handling it. He said something to the effect of, and Tom, I'm sorry if I'm not getting the quote correct. I heard you on the way in from in, in work this morning. He said, well, yes, there may have been the 20 or more close contacts because of Cam Newton and the position he plays. He's the starting quarterback. So he, he comes into contact with more people. There's the people in and out of the huddle and the whole thing. Remember many months ago in the summertime when I said the game will look different and people may huddle up differently? Because huddling together across a three-hour game probably does get you within six feet of other people for 15 combined minutes. Playing the game most times does not. And I suggested that maybe you should huddle differently in different ways. Closer to your own sideline, on a diagonal, there's no fans in it, few fans in most places, noise isn't the issue, spread out huddles standing more than a yard apart, who knows. But yes, the act of huddling is close social contact, not social distancing. And so if that's how you get to 20 close contacts from practicing and huddling, you got to do that distance during the week. That's my only thing. I don't think it's a given that, oh, he's a quarterback, if a quarterback gets it, we're going to have 20 close contacts. The quarterback gets it, there still should be no close contacts. That's the goal in any case. But hopefully you guys see, and I've been saying this all along, I could talk someone who's afraid of COVID out of their home based on facts. 
and I could scare the bejesus out of a COVID denier. It's real, it's everywhere, and the risk is there. The NFL's no-bubble concept is still the only way to go. There's no way to put as big an organization into a bubble. 2,000 plus players and coaches and support staff. What about the team doctors? Are they all moving in? What hotels can support them facility-wise? Could it be centralized? Would players and even, you guys know I love my little kids, support them facility-wise? Could it be centralized? Would players and even leave? Look, if I were still a team doctor in the NFL and I'm not, and you said, you gotta go into a bubble for six weeks. You guys know I love my little kids. That would be hard. I might pull them out of school, whatever, have them come with me and do it for six weeks. But if you told me I needed to be, do, be there for six months, I'd say, peace, I'm out, I'm not doing it. And I think a lot of players would, would do the same. Now I get it, you'd say, they make millions of dollars. Look, if you got paid the same to do your same job, but you had to be away from your family, quarantined or in a bubble, would you do it? These guys aren't getting a pay raise. They're millions of dollars, that's their normal pay. So that's what's different. Would I do it for Russell Wilson's salary for a year? A thousand percent, where do I sign? Sorry kids, we'll see you in six months, okay? But you'll be set up for life, okay? But if you're getting paid the same amount of money, it's not the same thing. And I think players would have opted out. Can there be a playoff bubble, as Amy Trask has suggested? Yes, that might work. Teams might do that. But we gotta get through this with this 32 mini bubbles at the facility and stay socially distanced away from the team. The other big news, and I always like to talk about the positive, is no Vikings player or staff ever tested positive and they played the Titans. This is not to say that there's no transmission from one team to another. Yes, you could have the theory that no Titans player was actually had COVID on Sunday. They only tested positive on Monday. Maybe they got it Sunday night after the game. But with all the talk of pre-symptomatic and asymptomatic individuals being able to spread, this is still very good news. Is it absolute proof? No, you can't absolutely prove anything off of one situation. But this speaks to the key words I've been saying for three months Please go to my timeline or go to OutKick or Google Viral Load, David Chow, OutKick, whatever, or go to my Twitter timeline and understand the concept of viral load. It's not the act of tackling breathing heavy on someone instantaneously that puts you at risk. It's sitting next to someone on a plane or at dinner or in a meeting or locker right next to somebody. Prolonged contact is what it is. And that's what you need to stay away from. It's not the act of walking down a grocery store aisle and needing to dodge somebody. It's more the bus boy or the box boy or the, you know, uh, uh, and, and the checker if they're within six feet of each other for hours. That is where it is. Or if it's a long line and people are in line next to each other. Look, any contact is dangerous, but what we found is the prolonged contact within six feet over 15 minutes. And that's what areas to avoid. So hopefully that's making some sense out of nonsense. The Titans, I believe, will play. As I said six months ago, I thought the NFL would start and start on time, but I wasn't sure what would happen once it started. And here's the unsure. 
I mean, is the season going to finish? I think so, but we don't have assurances. We got to stay vigilant. Are these twists and turns going to happen? Yes, and we'll all learn from them. All right. Um, I will answer all these uh, questions. Oh, sorry, that's a good one here. Uh, is I don't have any word that Cam is symptomatic or asymptomatic. If Cam, of course he's missing this game. If Cam is symptomatic, he will not be with the Patriots next week either. If he's asymptomatic, he's going to miss practices this next week, assuming the Patriots are allowed, but have a chance to play in the game. But if he's symptomatic, even with minimal flu symptoms, he will not be playing next week. That is sort of the breaking news there. Um, all right, let's move on and uh, exciting. Uh, I always like making uh, lemonade out of lemons. You know, this whole COVID thing was certainly lemons, but let's talk about the freebie game that we get. Here we go. I'm sorry for the jankiness, but like I said, with the Twitter Periscope banning, we're not somehow able to log in. So here's the field view. Oh, by the way, for all you podcast listeners, go to profootballdoc.com and I want you to, uh, where is the thing here? I'll find it in a second. But we have a special offer for everybody now. We have some exciting news coming. You can go to the website. Because I'm logged in, it doesn't show here. Um, down here, there's a secret button where you can sign up on your, on your cell phone or on the website, a secret button to sign up for free. All right? Special for you listeners right now. We're going to make a big announcement. By the way, Christian, our tech guy, thank you, Christian. Thank you for trying to I'm push sorry back I on broke everything, Doc. No. I think my face broke everything, right? But, anyways, um, on Periscope. Anyways, sign up for free. That's our gift to you. A big special announcement this week. But let's talk about the game here. Obviously, Cam Newton is out, Sony Michelle is out, as well as Damian Harris. Marcus Cannon opted out. David Andrews is on IR with his thumb issue. Shaq Mason questionable with a calf as well as Isaiah Wynn questionable. I think Isaiah Wynn will play. He played last week. Never can tell with the, with the Patriots, but I believe Shaq Mason will play. Obviously, Matt Lacoste opted out as well. And, uh, and Keel Harry, Gunnar Ozuski, and uh, Julian Edelman here. He's going to be on the injury report all year is questionable. He's going to play. No big deal there. And the Chiefs defense. The overall grade is the Chiefs A minus, the Patriots a B minus. On offense, the Patriots are an A minus against the, sorry, the Chiefs are an A minus against the Patriots B defense. On offense, the Patriots are a C plus against a B plus defense. So here's a run offense, Chiefs run defense, all the breakdowns, so you can see that. So the healthier team today, no surprise, is the Chiefs. Make your own decisions. You know, uh, there's some totals and lines. The line keeps climbing for the Chiefs, but that's what it is. The Atlanta Falcons and Green Bay Packers, the next game on here. The good news is, let's go to Atlanta first. Uh, 
Calvin Ridley, I believe, will play. Julio Jones, I believe, will play. Russell Gage has been cleared from his concussion. Uh, McGarry looks okay, the right tackle. Todd Gurley, this is just chronic. He's got knee issues. So a relatively healthy Atlanta Falcons offense, although admittedly, Ridley and Julio Jones may not be 100%, but I think they'll play and be effective. Remember, the Falcons are 0-3, and the only team to make the playoffs in, gosh, 28 years is the 1992 San Diego Chargers. I wasn't even there yet. I'm, I'm not that old. That's the last 0-4 team to make the playoffs. So that's why all these guys on Atlanta will play. Green Bay has a couple issues on defense. Green Bay on offense. Alan Lazard, out. Uh, St. Brown, already out. Funches opted out. That's that red. Core muscle injury for Alan Lazard. Six, eight weeks is my guess. Head surgery. Devontae Adams, I believe, is out. He tweeted that he was going to be out this morning, but then deleted it. But I think he's out. Lane Taylor is out for the season. So wide receiver issues, as reflected in the Packers' pass offense. The Falcons' defense has a couple issues, too. So go to profootballdoc.com to see that and get it for free there. Thank you. So we're going to do one final segment here for the part one. Um, yes. Uh, and... Uh, what time is it right now? 101. Oh, okay. I got to go. Well, we'll, we'll do the, I got to do a radio hit. All right. Welcome to part two of the Pro Football Doc podcast. Post week four, injury rundowns leading into week five. We'll talk about a bunch of things. New format, Facebook, Facebook Live. Look, I'm trying to get educated. Thank you, Christian. Periscope did a block and takedown, said there were copyrights when we didn't have any, and they haven't been that responsive to letting us go back. We have some stuff up back on Periscope, but if there was a copyright violation, look, I won't do it again, I'll pay my penance, but there was no notice, and they took down the whole thing. So we're looking and trying to look at different ways. So we're gonna do the injury rundown on Facebook. Uh, Facebook Live here still can take questions and uh, we'll go through it here. We're gonna do the injury rundown. We're gonna do upon further review and we'll talk about where we were right and more importantly, where we were wrong last week. And then of course, the ever popular beast of the week. So I have someone at Pro Football Doc who uh, is my fact checker. And uh, he basically emails me and says, look, this is where you screwed up and this is where maybe you were okay. So we'll go over that in a little bit here as well. But in the meantime, go to profootballdoc.com. If you're watching this, you're eligible to sign up for free. Go to profootballdoc.com and there's a little free button and uh, you will get it. So let's roll through here uh, the list of people. Sorry, it's a busy morning here, so we're in the afternoon, uh, almost headed into the Sunday night games. My bad, technical difficulties in the morning, still with Periscope, but also just a crazy busy uh, day um, in life and at the office. So let's run through the, uh, the injury rundown here, uh, starting with cornerbacks. 
quarterbacks. Josh Allen, his shoulder, his non-throwing shoulder, really the exact same injury that Drew Locke got. I mean, as close as you can get. Everyone was thinking wrist or elbow really was the shoulder. Landed on an outstretched arm, jammed, injured the shoulder. Cuff, rotator cuff sprain, possible small labral tear. Returned to play as I thought with a shoulder, uh, a neoprene sleeve slash strap harness and uh, finished the game. Might be limited in practice, will not miss any time. Uh, and he still will run and do things. He might lead with the other shoulder, but he should be fine. He'll deal with things this whole season. He'll wear that shoulder sleeve wrap the whole season. He might have off-season surgery, but it shouldn't affect him. Exact same injury as Drew Locke, Drew Locke but I'm not saying Josh Allen is tougher than Drew Locke since he's missed a couple of weeks. If it were Josh's throwing shoulder, he'd miss time too. Drew Locke was same, but throwing shoulder. And going into Drew Locke, I think he should return this week. Drew Locke should be back this week. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo, I think, has a good chance to return this week. Obviously, it was the Nick Mullins and then C.J. Beathard show. He should be back this week. And another, uh, when I say this week, I mean week five. Tyrod Taylor has a good chance of being back this week. The Chargers might kick it out to week six saying, well, he's not 100%. But the rubber's meeting the road on whether it's Justin Herbert or Tyrod Taylor this week or at the latest next week. Is he going to lose his job due, due to injury or not? And let me tell you, if Justin Herbert, as tough as he is, keeps taking hits and delivering blows when he runs like he is, he better be careful, that young guy. He's big, strong, athletic. I really like his game. But look, uh, the next one we'll talk about, even Cam Newton, as big as tough as he is, gets hurt. And so, uh, young buck, be careful there if you want to stay, uh, stay going. You may be big and strong. You may have knocked uh, Wilson, the Kansas City linebacker, out when you took him on head-on in uh, week two. But there's more of them than they are of you, and uh, you're going to get get hit there. Be careful, young guy. Uh, Cam Newton, obviously out with COVID. Uh, this is before the Monday night game, obviously not playing tonight. Here's a key for week five. If there are any reports of his symptoms, book it. He will not play. Can't get cleared in time for the following week. If there are, if he is asymptomatic and he passes a series of negative tests, he could play next week in week five. Hopefully he stays healthy there. Sam Darnold with an AC joint sprain, separation on his shoulder, on his throwing shoulder. And uh, there are reports that he may not play. Let me tell you where it breaks down here. And we've covered it in some ways before. Return to play is a three-headed monster. It's like, uh, it's almost like Congress, the President, and the Supreme Court. All three have to say yes for a law to be enacted. Um, any one of those three has veto power. In the player world, NFL world, it's the player, the medical, and the team. The player has to say yes, the medical has to say yes, and the team has to say yes. The player decision is sometimes just a player, sometimes the wife, sometimes the agent, sometimes the dad, sometimes the brother, sometimes whatever. I mean, it's sort of a, a joint vote. The player has final say, but they often listen to other people. The, do the medical is not just the doctor. It's the athletic trainer, the physical therapist, the second opinion doctor, in some ways the MRI, whatever. The third component is the team. Is it the owner? Is it the GM? Is it the head coach? Is it the position coach? Who gets the final say and vote? But 
Each body has three votes, they all have to be yes. I believe that Sam Darnold will want to play. I believe medical will let him play. Look, they put him back in the same game. They put some lidocaine, some medicine, Marcane in there and put him back in the same game. Likely grade one or two AC joint sprain, which has been confirmed. But will the third entity, the team, say yes? Will the owner say yes? He says, shoot, we got a lot of money invested in him. Will Joe Douglas say yes? Um, you know, uh, he's our future. Or maybe they want to see a change. Will Adam Gase say yes? And really what it also comes down to is, look, if you're Tom Brady, if you're Aaron Rodgers, if you're Russell Wilson, if you're Drew Brees, and you don't practice much during the week, or don't practice at all, and you can get a shot to play, you're playing. With all due respect for Sam Darnold, he's not any of those guys. And he's got a beat up offensive line, Makai Becton, we'll cover that later. And really, do you wanna put this young kid out there who's not gonna practice most of the week and put him out there and expose him to those dangers and further you know, shatter his any confidence that he has if he's your future. So Sam's gonna to wanna to play, medical will let him play, will the team stop him? And right now the report from Ian Rappaport is maybe uh, for this week to give him a chance to catch up. That's why Joe Flacco's there. And you know, it might not be the worst thing for Sam to take a deep breath. Look, if you're not 100% on your shoulder, your line's beat up, your team's struggling anyways, to take a step back isn't the worst thing in the world. And so that may indeed happen. He could play through, but he may not uh, based on that. All right, let's move on to running backs. The uh, big injury, of course, is Austin Eckler. The best case scenario happened. Yesterday we said hamstring, the knee hyperextension was mild. I said there's maybe even a chance of season ending, not the case. We said the best case scenario is he will not play in October and he plays sometime in November. That's what it is. It's four to six weeks is the report from Adam Schefter. Mostly on the hamstring, okay? Um, significant hamstring. You saw how he struggled even getting off the field and on the cart. This is a good case scenario. Eckler returns in November. When in November, we don't know. Uh, Josh Kelly, arrow up. Uh, Justin Jackson coming off the quad, different type of player anyways. Josh Kelly is more Eckler-esque. Look for him. Nick Chubb, uh, kind of what we thought. It was an MCL like we thought. He's been put on injured reserve, so he's going to miss the next three weeks. We thought it was kind of two weeks if he's lucky, four if he's not, so three-week IR is reasonable. Kareem Hunt looked pretty good with his groin, so uh, there you go, Nick Chubb. MCL sprain, no surgery. I saw a Twitterverse, a lot of people worried about an ACL. Wasn't an ACL. But let me tell you who I feel bad for. I won't even say his name. The offensive lineman. Offensive lineman for the Browns. Imagine how badly he feels in, in film review today. He got called for holding. He was trying to protect Baker Mayfield. And he threw his guy down. And he threw him into Nick Chubb's knee when Nick Chubb was engaged in a block. So he got called for holding and he injured the running back. He feels terrible. Um, and uh, you know, it is what it is. It was obviously an accident, but that's not gonna be a fun film review for him. Um, and uh, Chris Carson, 
Chris Carson, I think it was 18 touches, 19 touches for 100 yards between 80 yards running and 20 yards pass catching and two touchdowns. Did very well. Remember, he was the Gator Roll guy, right? Where people were saying he wasn't going to play. And those of you who watched last week the podcast or listened and saw, we were like optimistic he would play and do well. Now, the interesting thing about Chris Carson, and it's on my Twitter timeline, and I can retweet it. Look at the hit he took when he fumbled and he exited the game. He's running with the ball. He gets a helmet to his jaw, maybe the side of his head. He drops the ball immediately. He gets tackled in a pile, and you see his right arm fall out limp. He gets up, potentially a little bit groggy. Was there a concussion there? Well, he came back due to wind. I am not at all criticizing the Seahawks medical staff. And they were on the road, so it was a Miami local independent neuro guy that cleared him. I'm not saying they were wrong. But I found it interesting that it's certainly a suspicious looking video that doesn't mean that it's a definitely a concussion. But I'm just saying that in years past, it would have been uproar, social media. Why did that guy get put back in the game? The, the team needs to be investigated. But I think we're so worried about COVID and the effects of COVID injuries that takes a back seat. I do believe concussions, we still need to be diligent. It is a collision sport. I'm not saying that they did Chris Carson wrong at all. I'm just saying it's interesting to see the public's perspective, how that type of hit and getting put back in the game doesn't get called out anymore. Let me tell you, last year and the year before, if that would have happened, my Twitter timeline would have been full of, how did they let that happen? That's terrible, that's terrible. I didn't hear or see any of that. So I thought that was interesting is all. Uh, LaShawn McCoy, ankle sprain, grade two, not a big deal. Uh, when's he gonna return to play based on symptoms? Maybe miss another week, we'll see. Kenyon Drake, chest injury, I think he's gonna be fine, more of a contusion. Uh, Leonard Fournette, when is he coming back from his ankle? Who knows, that's been a chronic issue since college and since his time with Jacksonville. So uh, hard to get uh, a, uh, a beat on that. Sony Michelle got put on injured reserve, so he'll miss at least three weeks. Chronic knee issues. The Patriots knew that when they drafted him, but rookie year, rode him to a Super Bowl, so who can blame the Patriots? Uh, Cam Akers, probably another week before that rib cartilage separation, because it moves before he's ready to go. Uh, wide receivers, um, okay, leading up the game today. Devontae Adams, I think, is out. Julio Jones will play. Calvin Ridley will play. Julio Jones with his hamstring, Calvin Ridley will play ankle and uh, uh, Russell Gage coming off the concussion will play. Atlanta's 0-3. They got to play. They can't be at 0-4. If you get to 0-4, the last team to make the playoffs was in 1992, the then San Diego Chargers. And no, I was not with them then. I'm not that old. But when you get to 0-4, things happen, right? Bad things. Bill O'Brien got fired because he's 0-4 uh, this morning. Let's see, at least this morning, uh, West Coast time. Uh, other wide receivers, um, Mike Evans, he's a beast. By video, he had a high ankle sprain. He was kind of largely a decoy in the second half, and then at the end of the game, came on to make some catches. 
I hope he can make it this Thursday game. They play the Bears. But can't be sure because the swelling that happens overnight. See Michael Thomas, right? Cole Beasley, his foot, he returned. I think he's fine. Uh, he got helicoptered on the touchdown play and really just slammed his foot on the ground. He's going to be fine. No issue with Cole Beasley. Uh, Michael Thomas, he could have played last week, but the Saints wanted to make sure he didn't re-aggravate the injury. He was good enough to play last week. Now with an, another week under his belt, he won't re-aggravate it. He will for sure play next week. He could have played this week, just didn't for that reason. Um, what else? Mike Williams' hamstring depends on his grade. Who, who knows? Chris Godwin, same thing, depends on the grade. Henry Ruggs, the hamstring and the MCL is probably getting co close. Um, Alshon Jeffrey, closer, but not there yet. Deshaun Jackson is going to miss a couple of weeks, I believe. Small, speedy wide receiver needs separation to be effective. That slows him down uh, quite a bit. So I think it might be closer to November before Deshaun Jackson returns. Tight ends, uh, bad news of the week, uh, O.J. Howard tore his Achilles, done for the season. Um, that's the big one there. Uh, and uh, that's probably the biggest uh, one. Jared Cook, we'll have to get updates on when he can uh, return. Some offensive line injuries, Joe Looney, MCL sprain, per my video with the Cowboys center. So you've got the right tackle, A.L. Collins out, possible hip surgery. Tyron Smith in, out, neck, slash stingers. Connor Williams coming off his ACL, not 100%. Center Travis Frederick retired, now Joe Looney missing a little bit of time. Zach Martin, right guard, is the last man standing. Go to profootballdoc.com to see it. Like I said, you can see that all for free there. Uh, Ryan Ramzik is for the Saints with a concussion. Question of an MCL sprain as well. Uh, Makai Becton, Jets shoulder. This is a bigger deal than you think. I mean, he tried to play and couldn't. I'm surprised the Jets put him in for the Thursday game. He apparently has a, a capsule or label tear. He's got a shoulder strap on to try and hold it in. Here's the problem. He's a young guy rookie learning the league. He's their first round draft pick. He's a stud. But let me tell you, as a left tackle, it's way harder if it's your left shoulder. If it were his inside shoulder, I think he could protect it. You need that outside arm for that outside punch and speed rush. So uh, I think he's missing, even though it was the Thursday game when he tried to play and couldn't, I think he's missing the next game, maybe a little longer. There's also the outside chance of surgery at the end of the season. But his season isn't done. But that's asking a young guy a lot to not be 100% on strength, have to use that brace that limits you and sort of protect with that outside arm. Uh, Balaga and uh, Trey Turner for the Chargers were out along with the center of Pouncey. Hopefully they can return back. Defensive injuries, Darius Leonard, the groin is a big one. Uh, he's a sideline to sideline linebacker and I think he'll be a couple weeks with his groin. Uh, Miles Jack injured his ankle. Trufant, Desmond Trufant re-aggravated re his hamstrings. Um, few other defensive injuries, but nothing uh, horribly new. So let's go to our next segment here, which is uh, upon further review, and Doug at Pro Football Doc is pointing them all the negatives out to me. Um, we'll talk about the negatives here. Um, 
the two negatives I'd say were Michael Thomas and Kareem Hunt. Uh, I did not get, I thought Kareem Hunt would be more hampered than he was. Clearly it was Nick Chubb's game, but when he got hurt, Kareem Hunt came in and did well. I think if Nick Chubb wasn't hurt, Kareem Hunt wasn't going to see a lot of action. But he was up, he was active, he was pressed into service, and he did very well. So we take that as a wrong. Um, Michael Thomas, and for week two I said he was doubtful. Week three questionable, week four probable, and he didn't play. So that's right to count it as a wrong. But I think he didn't play not because he couldn't play, but because of the re-aggravation risk. But here's where some of the ones that we were okay on. Uh, on Chase Young missed from his groin. I think he's going to miss more time. Chris Carson with the Gator roll. After the game, Pete Carroll said one to two weeks that he would play, that he missed one to two weeks. Pete's a great guy, interesting guy, but that might have been a little bit of a flop because remember, Pete and the Seahawks were really mad at Tristan Hill of the Cowboys for the Gator roll. Social media was mad. And if you want to get the call and get him fined or get him disciplined, you can't say Chris Carson is fine. I'm not saying they were faking it, but Chris Carson was hurt, not injured, as I told you guys last week. That's why he was able to return to play. And uh, at the time, maybe that got played up a little bit. Who knows? But Chris Carson is fine, and hopefully there's no concussion issues. But his knee is fine, is evidenced by his great output. Deshaun Jackson, we told you he wouldn't play. That's easy. Mark, Mark, uh, Chris Godwin wouldn't play. That's easy. Um, George Kittle probably was a big correct. We said not only would he come back, but he would have a big game. And shout out to uh, Ariel at uh, Sports Grid for buying into it. She took the over 55-yard prop and cashed it in the first half. He ended up with 100-plus-some yards and touchdowns galore. He's really the only guy Nick Mullins threw to. G George Kittle is a beast. That bone bruise wasn't going to hold him back, and we were correct on that. We said Jamal Adams was more likely to miss than uh, Chris Carson, and indeed Jamal Adams, the Seahawks, missed with his groin. Uh, Goddard is not season-ending, so those are some of the corrects. But probably the biggest correct so far is the concept of viral load, and we talked about it in the first half, and not chasing positives, and so we won't rehash that. So let's move on here uh, to the, uh, uh, oh, and oh, here's another, uh, why don't we go to the uh, computer screen here. So I've been trying to do this, you know, uh, on OutKick, top five actionable NFL injury issues for week four. So let's go through these. The OutKick boys, I love them. They jinx me though. They put up a tweet saying, Pro Football Doc, you were four and one week one. You were four and one week two. You were four and one week three. I'm like, ah, you're killing me. That's like telling, saying that field goal kicker has, has made 20 straight field goals. You know the next one's going to be a miss. So wasn't as good this week here. But let's go over the five calls. The Chargers missing 10 starters. I thought Tampa Bay would win easily. And uh, if you followed my advice early, you could have gotten the early line at four and a half, but it closed at seven ended up being a push. So that's a, a, a tie there. If you got it early, it would have been a win. And we had the information up earlier, but I won't claim it as credit because this was published Sunday morning. This was published Sunday morning. So Sunday morning, this is a tie. If you, the, the injury index went up on Friday night, so you could, you could call it a win, but I'm not calling it a win. 
the Eagles are in first D-plus grade, but if you read in here, the line already has ballooned from three to seven and a half. And I said the 49ers have their injury issues too, even though George Kittle is coming back. The 49ers have their injury issues, and the Eagles have gotten healthier in de defense. And so in here, I'm saying it seems like the Eagles' injuries have been known to the public. So I think they were getting too many points. And in the end, the, the, the Eagles were so talked about as having injuries, and I think almost overblown. Yes, their passing grade was D+, plus, but their defense was okay. I, I was saying take the points, and that obviously worked out. They, I should have said take the money line, but no, I didn't. I just said take the points at seven and a half there, seven or seven and a half. So that's a thumbs up. Three home underdogs, healthier than the, than the visiting teams. Uh, yeah, complete <laughs> negative. Went the other way. Definitely wrong there. Two heavy favorites, maybe, uh, you know, uh, just do the money line because they might be leading, you know, uh, parlay the two. You don't make a ton of money, but they're going to easily win. Uh, but the, the, uh, the Rams didn't cover, the Ravens did, so... You know, that's why I said do the money line there. They're okay. Team of contrast, the Vikings and the Texans. The big play there was the over, and that covered easily. So we were one, two, two and one, three and one, three, one and one. I guess it's not horrible, but we weren't four and one. So there's, that's, uh, hopefully we can keep up that streak. But look, I'm not a tout. Go to the website and use the information and make your own decisions. Like I said, it's free at this point for you, for you listeners. So let's close out with the beast of the week. My beast of the week here is none other than Sam Darnold, okay? He separated his shoulder AC joint Thursday night. You saw how hard he got thrown on the ground. It's his throwing shoulder. No one expected him to return. If he returned after missing two or three weeks, everyone would have said he was tough. He took a sh I don't know this for a fact, but I'm telling you he did just by inference. He took a shot to his AC joint on his throwing shoulder, threw a couple passes on the sideline, went right back into the game. He played all right. Maybe not as accurate as he could have been with that shoulder, but he's a gamer. I don't want to hear anything about this scene ghost stuff. He's a gamer. He had an easy tap out. No one would have blamed him, yet he came back into the game and wanted to finish it out with the injection and did. His team didn't win, but still got to give it to Sam Darnold for his performance. A quarterback that's tough like that, who's playing through, no one would have blamed him for tapping out. Came back into the game and finished it with his guys and didn't do poorly. I mean, imagine a throwing a quarterback, so here's a shot, and you're going to throw two passes on the sideline and let's go. I mean, no warm-up. It's one thing if you're used to it and whatever. Here's a new injury, heat of the moment game. So Beast of the Week goes to Sam Darnold from me. Thanks for listening. Let me know. Give me some feedback about this Facebook Live, uh, if it works for everybody, if this is the best medium, or Christian, my guy here, will keep searching. But we'll find stuff and uh, get it out there to you.